good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life with a Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do. And today, we're interviewing Joe Van Erps, a highly successful salesperson who has built out multiple sales strategies and multiple sales tech startups all over Europe. Today, we talk about why somebody lives life at breakneck speed. Joe is one of those people who is perpetually busy, always running from task to task, goal to goal, milestone to milestone. I myself have been guilty of it in in the past, and we all know somebody who is always pushing forth the next thing. Joe is one of those people, and today we understand why somebody lives life at breakneck speed, how you get into such a pattern whether or not it is actually beneficial for the goals that you're trying to hit. Joe has also lived a very international life, so he has had to live multiple different chapters of his life in multiple different settings. That has an impact on someone. Today we discuss that. Today we learn how somebody lives life at breakneck speed and how they avoid hitting speed bumps. Let's get chatting. Well, Joe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for for coming on the podcast. How are you, man? How are you feeling? Hey, man. Uh, thank you for having me. First of all, good to good to see you again. I mean, too, we've man. spoken a couple of times already in in various scenarios. Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm currently not in Germany or in Holland. I'm, I'm in Dubai right now, mm. uh, enjoying the warm weather for a bit, and uh, but soon we'll be back in Europe. Nice one. Um, and the fact that you're traveling is something I think we'll come back to later on today. Uh, but no, it's good. Yes, please. It's, uh, <laughs> it's good to see that you're out in Dubai. Uh, I am jealous. We are just about to get our lo- we are just about to come out of lockdown here in Ireland. Um, mm. However, you guys over in Dubai never really had one, and I'm so jealous. Yeah, doesn't really exist here, does it? <laughs> Which is great. Um, yeah. Well, look, at this stage, people will know what you do. Um, but my first question for you is, apart from what you do, instead of listing out your CV, who are you? Like, who are you to you? So I would say uh, I'm, a, I'm a person that always grew up in a, an extremely international environment. So uh, I've, I've met a lot of nationalities early on in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm half Belgian, half German, right? And uh, Growing up in Brussels, which is somehow also, you know, the headquarter of Europe, so to say, mm. uh, made me realize that uh, it's it's so good to talk to to many many different people of, from all kinds of life. Uh, and I think, you know, over the past few chapters in my life, moving from from Munich towards Zurich, from Zurich to uh, from Brussels to Zurich, from you know Zurich to Munich, and now to Amsterdam. Uh, made me realize that I'm definitely a person that always wants to uh, have a new chapter at some point. So uh, getting out of the comfort zone is is, is definitely uh, how I would you know describe myself uh, and be in a, a very open person. That sounds great. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the chapters because you've had quite a few different, and when I say different, I mean like drastically different chapters. Yeah. They've all sort of lived under the world of, I'm just going to say like, business kind of except for Zurich um yeah and then but yeah so can you tell me a little bit more about or tell us a little bit more about those chapters um sure they are very different uh, absolutely so um, maybe one more thing to say as a, as a small boy growing up in Brussels uh I I was a huge car guy 
so maybe the, the one thing that always stayed the same was that I'm a huge car fanatic. And uh, as, a, as a small boy, I had the dream one day of building my own cars. So I thought back in school that, you know, studying mechanical engineering, for example, at a top school in Europe would be a great idea. And I'd say the first chapter of my life after high school, after growing up in Brussels, was making the move to Zurich to initially start studying mechanical engineering. And there I found out that it's something completely different, right? Yeah, it's not all building cars. No, no. <laughs> but but uh, I enjoyed one thing in particular while living in Switzerland. It was, you know, watching cars and visiting car shows. And so while I then visited the Geneva Car Show, I met a guy, uh, Etienne, and uh, he and I, we did something which had nothing to do at all with mechanical engineering. Basically, what we did is, you know, we, we copied a concept based in, in Germany and moved that to the Swiss market, which was on-demand car cleaning uh, without, you know, any water uh, that gets lost. So, yeah, that, right. that is the first chapter in my life that made the switch from something very technical to something which has more to do with business and sales. So, so what brought you from Brussels to Switzerland was the fact that you love cars. And then what brought you from, let's say, mechanical engineering to, to setting up this thing, setting up this company was also, you know, loving cars. But that's yeah. what brought you into the world of business. Yes. And, and, and the funny part is back in high school, uh, European school, Brussels 3, basically my maths teacher said when I told him that I would be, you know, studying mechanical engineering, he said, that's a bad idea. <laughs> so actually, uh, that was one time I didn't, you know, listen uh, to a teacher where I thought after maybe I should have listened earlier maybe they were. Uh, because uh, it turned out to be a great idea, not doing, you know, anything maths related, but more going into the business side. But yeah, that's, that's really where I discovered my passion for sales. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what driven me since uh, going into you know the next chapters of my life. And before we get into the the actual beginning of the first few questions, what, uh, just to give people a timeline, after you you did that that uh, car cleaning company, um, just quickly what happened next and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I decided that you know mechanical engineering uh, was definitely not my thing. Also, my my grades were extremely bad. Uh, so it became clear that, you know, I was, would be looking for something different. Now, while I was, you know, building up that company together with Etienne, it was still clear to me that, you know, I had to at least try, uh, doing something else when it comes to uni. And that's maybe also something interesting to talk about. Uh, it's definitely that I got all the chances in life to, you know, study what I want. But on the other hand, if your parents, you know, come from that background, you also don't want to disappoint them, right? And you don't mm. want to do something completely crazy out there at that age. Uh, so I was 19, you know, turning 20. And, you know, initially I then said, okay, I'm also going to move to Munich because Munich has an actual very strong background in young entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So especially for people that are also still studying, it's, a, it's a, one of the best in Europe, I'd say. Um, so I started officially studying in Munich, but also getting to know the entrepreneurial uh, uh, room in there. And uh, at the same time, I obviously 
got to know about a thing which is software sales. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is then really where it kicked off when we're talking about my career part uh, in sales. So you, you moved to Munich before you had the job at Demodesk? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So okay. uh, to be funny story, uh, I wanted to learn from, from good entrepreneurs, right? That already achieved much more than what we did with uh, the, the local business, car cleaning business. And uh, I had the opportunity to join a, a legal tech company before uh, my demo desk journey, which mm-hmm. is called DataGuard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the funny side story there is I applied to become an entrepreneur in residence. And basically, the founder called me up one day before my official start date uh, saying, you can't do it. I need you in sales. We have too, ma- too few people in sales. Can you please do this business development job? <laughs> so the deal was, no. no, I said, I said, I said, okay, but I want to, you know, I want to actually do the entrepreneur in residence thing. Uh, and he said, okay, do this for six months and you'll get that job. Right. And I said, okay, let's do it. And that's how I actually started knowing about what sales development roles are in, in a software sales company. Nice. And that's where I had the grind that, that you're now having, right? Mm-hmm. With, uh, with the SDR job. Uh, and that's where I learned all the basics, basically, when it comes to that business. And after those six months, uh, I never looked back. I stayed in the role. Uh, I didn't become an entrepreneur in residence. I moved into a closing role. You moved into- uh, so, yeah. That's how it kicked off. In Demodesk, you spent how long there? Uh, at Demodesk in itself. Yeah. So at Demodesk in total, that would be now 17 or 18 months. Okay. So you did a year and a half at yeah. Demodesk. And now you are about to, actually, I'll let you explain. Yeah. So I, I did my, my part in, at Demodesk, you know, being the, the first sales hire, seeing a company which was pre-seed getting the seed round and then the series A round, which was amazing uh, in that short time frame, right? Yeah. And uh, now the opportunity arrived of uh, joining a company called Miro, which uh, probably a bit more people know about when we compare to Demodesk, just because it's a, it's a much larger company. Uh, we're looking at making the shift from a company of 40 to 45 people, uh, now at a level 700 to 800 people. Damn, that is, uh, that is rocket ship level growth. Which is fantastic. Yeah. So your your yes. journey has brought you from Brussels to as a, in in high school to Zurich, looking at cars to Munich, trying to be an entrepreneur and taking a random sales job in order to get there, realizing you love sales, building out demo desk, and now about to do it again at Miro. Um, Correct. So that's that's what you do. That's that's what you have done. Um, but I want people to get a little bit more of a sense of who you are. So I've got a question for you. What would be, or what has been the most amazing adventure you've ever been on? I'd say, you know, one thing I haven't talked about yet about me is that apart from cars, uh, I always had the opportunity to travel a lot when I was smaller as well mm-hmm. uh, through my parents. And uh, one of the, the most amazing adventures I've been on was in, on the African continent. Uh, we were in South Africa mm-hmm. uh, and we took a train called the Rovos Rail. Have you ever heard about it? I haven't, no. So, so Rovos Rail is a family-led business for two or three generations now, and they built these trains a bit like the Orient Express, 
So imagine just a train with maybe 10, 15 wagons and a maximum of 50 people going on a journey of maybe from three to 14 or 30 days through driving through the country with a train. And why that was one of the best adventures I've ever been on was because I realized after two days of driving, you know, you don't meet anybody else than those 50 people. You don't have a choice, but, you know, talking to them. And then one thing happened, which was they stole the copper wire on our journey. So that meant the train stood just still for two days. Uh, and the train manager telling us, yeah, we don't know when we will continue because they have to actually, you know, drive a diesel uh, powered <laughs> locomotive to our position, which is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, essentially that was just where it got really funny because those 50 people, suddenly they really are bored at one point, right? You're not moving anymore. So you actually start talking about, you know, where they're coming from, uh, what they're doing next, what the history of the family is. So you hear some crazy stories and people opening up to other complete strangers. Yeah. And that's where I just noticed, man, that, that is amazing. Uh, if you actually give the opportunity to people to uh, be in a position of just opening up. Uh, that's what I love. I love listening to stories. And I, I must say that on its own was just one of the most amazing adventures I've, I've ever been on. Getting on a train through Africa. Yeah. Getting, having the, having the parts be stolen off the train and be stuck with 50 people on a train and getting to know each other. Yeah. And pretty much that, you know, not going anywhere. You can't. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then uh, they, they told us stories. So the train personnel told, told us stories about, oh, yeah, we got robbed two, three times, you know, in the, in the past five years. So uh, we protected the train with extra, you know, uh, protected glass and stuff like that. So that was also interesting. Nothing happened, luckily. Man. Uh, it, but yeah, no, it spiced it up. No wonder you ended up in sales when you learned to talk at that age. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 100%. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, a lot of the different, and, and thank you for sharing that story. Um, I, I think it gives people a little bit more of an insight into what's important to you. Um, one of the things that we talked about was all of the different, all of the different chapters that you've had. And I, I get the feeling that there are, those will have been different versions of Joe in each one of them. So when did this version of you solidify? The one that I'm talking to right now. When did this version of you come around and how? And also, you can also answer this question by saying that it hasn't solidified yet because I get the feeling you're going through a big moment of change at the moment. So what, who am I talking to right now? I would say that, you know, one of the big moments where I definitely got to know myself a bit better is making the change of realizing that my journey, at least at demo desk was ending. Mm. So if we just think back of it, you know, I, I joined the company when we were five or six people, I was the first sales hire. There was no processes. Suddenly there was hyper growth two financing rounds. And then that journey ended uh, because of a disagreement uh, with, uh, with leadership, which mm. happens in sales. Actually, if, if you think about it, Average tenure is 17 months or 18 months, I think, uh, if, you're, if you're in the position. Absolutely. So still, I never realized that it could happen to me. I was living in a world, a day-to-day -day world, 
day-to-day you know, -day meetings, day-to-day -day talking about targets, closing business, building teams, etc. And then suddenly that realization came. And that was a moment where actually for the first time, I'd say in two to three years, I could stay, take a step back and look at, okay, what just happened? You know, not talking about that one event of not being with the company anymore, but actually what happened in the past two, three years. That's crazy. And that's where I realized reflecting on, on, on these adventures from time to time and not having to worry about the day-to-day -day business anymore in, in your professional career, that's one of the most enlightening moments in my life. Uh, so, so I'd say that really did something. So you hadn't been, let's say, reflecting or thinking about it. You were very much living. What it, can I ask, were you living in the future or living in the moment for the future? I'm a person that lives in the now. Um, okay. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes yeah. that's not so good. Uh -huh. uh, but, and, and I'd say if we're talking about the things that are not so good, actually, it's quite good with comparing it to Dubai, where I'm at right now, because Dubai is a huge bubble. I don't think that is a surprise to many. Uh, but sometimes our own lives are a huge bubble as well, because we, we don't think too much of what's going to happen in one or two years because of the fact that you're so busy and because of the fact that you're happy. Uh, but then again, that makes you miss things. And for me, that was two things. The first one where I really realized, okay, I neglected that a bit was definitely the family part. So relatives, you know, building or maintaining, nurturing the relationship with my parents, with my grandparents, spending time with my grandmother, which was actually only one hour drive away from Munich for me because she lived in Nuremberg, right. spending time with her. Uh, that was something I never did because you know, I was, I was not really thinking of. And the second thing comes to friendships, friendships and relationships. So actually spending time with the people most important to you around you, whether that's uh, talking about a girlfriend, talking about, you know, your best friends, uh, your old friends from high school. And these past four months, I was fortunate enough not having to think about my day-to-day -day life as much as, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing before. And that was really something that you know, made me different, definitely shaped me. So actually, I'm going to go into that for a moment. You, yeah. you talked about missing things in that bubble of being, and I think it's something people might be cognizant of, particularly now that we're all reflecting on, like we're about to come out of a lockdown where we're within six months of coming out of these things. Um, and I know I'm spending time trying not to go back into the habits that I had before lockdown. When it came to, let's take the friendships and the relationships side. Um, I get the feeling that with someone like yourself, you enjoy when things are new, like when new is good, new is always good. Uh, I feel it myself. However, family is constant. Friends can be constant and relationships are very new for about three to nine months, depending on it, which afterwards there's always something. Um, so to what extent did the fact that these things were not new play a part in the, in the not putting off attention to them? A huge one, a huge yeah. one. 
and you might uh, recognize it or, or you might don't. Uh, and I'm actually also interested in hearing about the others that are listening to this, uh, of what they think about this, because I think it's, it's quite controversial, uh, what I'm about to say. But I think uh, people are taking even the smallest things uh, too lightly for granted. So if, if something is there in their lives and they're not hearing or seeing any change, that means for them that it's set, right? But actually, that's the biggest mistake you can make, uh, thinking it's set. And actually, it's funny. To, you can compare this with sales. Uh, you, you think a deal is set. Well, it's not. You, know, you missed one thing in your medic uh, discovery. Uh, and and it's the same with friendships and with relationships. If you if you live in your day to day life, and you don't see a reason or hear a reason or think of a reason to talk about it, uh, you don't have to talk about. It. But that's the biggest mistake. Uh, talk about things where you think you don't need to talk about, because there's always surprises coming up. There's always surprises coming up. Um, I think that's a fantastic. I think that's a fantastic way of putting this because a lot of your changes in your life have been surprises. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. So with that, with um, all of these different changes and all of these different things, you're obviously quite confident, or at least that's on the external. Maybe we can crack into that a little bit later, but to what extent, or how do you make sure that the constant and consistent changing on the outside doesn't affect your sense of self on the inside. So I, I touched upon, you know, this word reflecting, mm -hmm. right? And what I mean by that is for the past four months, I had the daily opportunity of actually really thinking not only what do I want, uh, but also what do the people around me maybe want? Not that that should be a determining factor. It should be something you think about because then again, we're talking about relationships mm. uh, in a way of with, with your family, for example, you know, uh, how they view you. And if you're not talking about that and you won't be talking about it if you reflect about it yourself, uh, then, uh, then you're missing something. So I think this continuous striving for having conversations with people uh, about things that you take for granted, that that's a good start there. And I'd say that 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 would be my answer to that question. So having conversations with people about what each of you take for granted. Yes. Have you had one of those conversations? Yeah, absolutely. A, a ton. And how, how have a they ton. gone? You know, it's, it's maybe one example is um, with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So my my grandmother from my uh, mother's side so the german side which was you know one hour uh, drive away which i but i never did pretty much in the past two three years until the very end so unfortunately she passed away like a couple of months but i was really fortunate that i had the time to actually visit her uh, and more often and so starting a conversation there with her was yeah i never really wanted to bother you and calling you too much because i knew you were so busy that's what she said to you Yes. Yeah. Right. And then I realized, holy shit, you know, sorry for my language, but uh, you don't need to not call me because you're worried that I'm too busy. I will pick up that call or we'll call you back. Yeah. Uh, but that may really, yes, that's one big example, right? Uh, and so I only had the opportunity because, you know, I started the conversation by visiting her. So 
that is one big example there. Yeah. Um, it seems like you've come to this realization quite recently. Yes. Yeah. So there's a new version of you that I'm talking, that I'm kind of talking to right now. One that's kind of in the process of settling down into, into what you're up to. Um, but one thing that I've seen that has been very persistent with you is kind of this whole, this joy of travel, this, this sense of traveling. Um, typically when people travel a lot, they travel a lot because they, like I said, they enjoy the new, but they enjoy meeting as wide a variety of people as possible. And I think that fits into you as well because of the whole sales side of things and the business side of things. Um, so with that in mind, with the fact that you really enjoy meeting all of these people, um, how does that play an element in your life outside of the work side of things? So obviously with work, you sell to, you sell to people, you call, call people, you, you do all that. That's just talking to people. However, to what extent, how does that manifest in every other area of your life? So I, I, I'm, I'm by nature extremely uh, curious, I'd say. So I, I always want to know how other people think. Mm. And I want to touch upon one thing you said uh, uh, that you know, comes natural or it's part of my job talking to many people, uh, but they're not different people. Uh, they're right. all the same. Uh, the, the, the thing is the characters are different, of course, and then you have the so-called personas and then the moods and, you know, depending on results of their quarter, et cetera, uh, whether that's work, working in marketing or in sales and then the one bitching about the other side, you know how it is. Yeah. But the thing is, they're all the same because they're all working in, in, in this software industry uh, and they, they're living in a very fast paced world with a, with a lot of pressure. And I think that the new version of me uh, also relating to traveling and wanting to talk, being curious about many, many other people out there is realizing there's really no need uh, for uh, that high of a pressure uh, in your day-to-day -day routine. Uh, and when I learned one thing now, also making the jump uh, into uh, my career at Miro and moving to Amsterdam is... Uh, what I heard of everyone I talked to during the process at, at Miro is, uh, you know what, you know, prioritizing is the most important aspect of everything. And that means that you don't have to stress about doing every little task or talking to every possible contact. Uh, you just have to prioritize. And I think that translates also to life. Uh, so just prioritize a couple of things and you will be much more relaxed. Uh, I think that's the same also for traveling. Don't try to see everything when you're visiting. Just, you know, take a couple of days and just strolling through the th city. It sounds, you know, cliche or it sounds like it's the logical thing to do, but many don't. If you really think about it, you always want to have an agenda, always want to maximize your time. And the new me uh, definitely is thinking differently about that now. You were, you were the definition of the word busy for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, 100%. I, I moved this meeting two times. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so where do you think that came from? Like the sense Switching of, part? No, this busyness, this 
Oh, not, not necessarily the switch, because the switch I think came from a yeah. big life change. However, yes. the busyness, the 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 grinding it out, um, the the happy to move countries, the okay, I'm going to set up this company. Um, I don't want to do this this engineering degree anymore. Demo desk, okay, sure. Let's be person number six and let's go build this company. That's yeah. all really high grind, busy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Where does that come from? I, I think one part of of it is definitely expectations to myself. So, me knowing that I can achieve something, uh, even if there is you know, sometimes not zero, but very low chances of, of succeeding or at least, you know, hitting what you want to hit. Uh, that's that's one major part. But I think for, for many people, including myself at the very early stages, making the move to Zurich, you know, also studying is definitely also uh, outside pressure. Um, and for example, you know, if, if your parents are, are successful people, they studied and did the typical career track, uh, you're also somehow expected to do so, right? even if they don't want you to do it necessarily just because they did it. Uh, still, that pressure internally builds up. And I've been talking to many, many friends of mine, also from high school, for example. Uh, and I must say, most of them, not most of them, but many of them do things or did things because it was the thing to do. And I would like to challenge that. You know, is, yeah. it, is it really the thing you need to do? And I learned it pretty much the hard way, right? So I had a, a huge... Uh, a failure experience realizing that I'm not going to be a mechanical engineer uh, soon uh, because I had that lack of, of passion major, you know, in majority for it. Uh, but at the same time, that opened up a door. And then when I really went for it and actually also told my new closest friends from uni days uh, that I'm going to quit studying in order to further pursue my career in entrepreneurship and sales, uh, that's when I got the messages, oh, man, I could have never done that, but that's amazing. That's great. How did you have the courage? And that opened up my eyes. Why did you never say that? You know, or why did you never seriously think about that for yourself? So why is, what is it do you think about you that gave you the self-confidence and the self-belief to be able to go against what is a status quo? I mean, was this... Sorry, I was going to say this was in, it wasn't in Germany. This was in Brussels. Yeah. What exactly? Um, this, this decision to, to quit. The people that you were talking to were, were. That was, that was Germany already. That was, that was definitely Germany because I was officially still a student in Germany, right? So right. When I moved to Munich. Well, Germans love so, the status quo. I hate, I, I know, I yeah. hate stereotypes, but I've, I've been there for <laughs> well, a while. It, um, it's a given. Yeah. So why, what is it about you? that made you go against a status quo and made you go, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. So first of all, I realized I wasn't getting anywhere if I don't find that one passion. I wasn't going to get anywhere. I, the, the thing is, I didn't, you want to end? Yeah, go ahead. It takes people till they're 60 years of age to figure that out. And you got that at like 20. So how'd you get that? Yeah. Because I, you know, you, you think of it, okay, if I'm going to study, for example, mechanical engineering, if I'm going to study uh, business, uh, whatever direction, uh, usually the people that then do that and, and haven't found their passion, uh, 
you do a career, stable career, make good money probably, but most of them really never made a big jump. Uh, and I think uh, it, it makes me scared doing something like that. But at the same time, I know that gives me so much pleasure. Uh, and then seeing, making that jump one time, you know, starting out the company still back in Switzerland, but also then moving into software sales in Munich uh, made me realize, holy shit, I really enjoy this. Uh, so this was a good jump. Let's do that again. It's a thrill. Uh, so, so you're kind of also looking for that next thrill, right? Uh, but the second thing, and I don't want to ignore that, is I do realize that I'm coming from a, a very, uh, uh, you know, very good background. So I always had a cushion, you know, a backup cushion. So I knew if I would totally mess up and not find my passion, and also the next thing would fail, I could still go back home and probably not get a beating, just you know, a longer speech. Are, are uh, any of your parents entrepreneurs? I feel like they are. Uh, no, they're not. I have one. There's one uh, in my family, my uncle. Mm -hmm. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he, he built something, uh, you know, very nicely over the past 15 years, I'd say. But the others are very traditional. So my parents, my, my father is a lawyer. Uh, and my mother, uh, you know, came from, uh, from politics. So uh, it's, it's a very traditional career it's, path if you, if you compare it to what I did. Very traditional career paths. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've known about you since we started talking was, and even since we since we met, whatever it was, a year and a bit ago, um, you've high expectations of yourself, and yeah. you've high, you've kind of got these high expectations of others, but expecting people to be able to let your them down, like you can't let someone else down, but they can let you down, kind of a way, is my interpretation. Mm -hmm. Of it, and that definitely comes from a sense of self-confidence and a sense of self-safety. And I think that's been a big thing here. You've had the self-confidence to really to 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 travel to like to just jump into different scenarios. Um, I won't say without thought because you definitely thought it through, but you weren't paralyzed by the thought of it. Um, you're now in Dubai uh, just because you don't want to be locked down. Um, there's, there's, I mean, the cars, for example, again, that to me seems very um, high energy. Again, that brings us back to the new. But I feel that people are very accepting of the new when they know that that's not going to be an element of themselves. That's not going to be an element of themselves that's, that's put, put, put out there. So. My question for you is, if you spent all of this time in new and in this world of newness and excitement, and now you're, you're, you're entering this new world again, um, into a new world of what, new and exciting, um, and it's a new job and it's a new country, and we're back to this, how are you going to stop yourself from getting bored if you now have the reflection piece in your brain? You're a little bit more self-aware. How are you going to stop yourself from doing this again and leaving the company in six months? I love the question. Uh, probably every uh, potential future employer was also scared of that. I remember having a, an interview uh, with another uh, yeah, very successful uh, company in, in the area of, of collaboration. And uh, that... You know, that potential future boss told me, uh, this is all great and everything and we want to have you, but, you know, what's going to 
stop you from getting to the next job once you get bored, probably in six or seven months, uh, because <laughs> there's going to be some routine. That's literally what he said. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I love the question because uh, it's the first time I heard it back then and now you're repeating it. Uh, so it's very valid because I think also on, on to the outside, uh, people see that, you know, I live off energy and excitement. So I, I think you always have to make sure that you, we talked about this before, that you not only think about the day-to-day, but also, you know, maybe in a year or so. And, and for example, for me, that is knowing right now being in software sales, there's definitely still a couple of years with a clear room of improvement uh, to myself in my profession. And for me, this is the first time that I'm joining a company. So Miro in this case in Amsterdam, where I know uh, there's so many things that I now can learn about from the best of the best in the industry. Uh, They have that reputation. And that made me choose this job in particular, because I knew uh, even if what I'm going to be doing in the next six months at Miro is maybe going to be a bit boring, there's going to be five other options where I can jump into that company uh, we not, you know, without having to make another big, big jump, yeah. uh, which others would maybe also see as you know, too soon. And even I would criticize myself then. Uh, yeah. is, is that probably too soon? So that, that is one argument there. Uh, also, uh, to be honest, the, the, the major reason why people are working in itself is not only because of money, because otherwise, you know, they want to do something with their day, right? It's fun lying here on the beach or having a boat party uh, all day, but uh, you're going to get bored. Uh, <laughs> so essentially, I think the, the most beautiful thing that you can achieve is definitely having the financial wealth of uh, deciding when you want to work, uh, but not necessarily not working. So I think that is just not an option for me. Uh, and if we're thinking in, in, in five to 10 years, where I see myself, uh, it's uh, it's definitely in a role where I have complete 100% control of what I want to do with my day-to-day. 100% control. We're coming back to that. Um, yeah. I've got two questions left for you. The first one is, what is, what is it that you wish people knew about you? Something that people don't know that you wish people knew about you. I, I think I'm, uh, I, I said this earlier, right? I'm, I'm a person that lives normally, especially in my last chapter or in, a, in a daily business, you know, day to day, and I live in the moment. Uh, however, I, I can also get very emotional about these long-term plans and long-term things. So if sometimes I come across as somebody that just lives in that moment, you know, and, and maybe sometimes not really cares too much, uh, that is not necessarily true. That just means that we haven't talked uh, deeply enough or didn't have the conversation to talk enough about it. And that's something I discovered recently as well. So, uh, you know, having deeper conversations with my friends, especially, uh, it's been a long time I did that. And uh, there they also realized, okay, you know, to the outside, he now has so much fun and, you know, just doing that day to day and really doesn't care. But in the long term, of course, I know this is also not only it. Uh, so I think that is definitely one part I wish that people, you know, kn- knew immediately. But obviously, you can't uh, portray all of that. It's not all fun and games. 
No. Yeah. Uh, it is not. Absolutely not. Um, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Of course. So the very last question that I have for you. This podcast is about people's why. And what I like to do at the end is I kind of like to surmise as to what I think your why is. But I'm going to ask you first. Mm. Um, so why do you think you do what you do? And not do what you do is in a professional sense, but in a who you are. Um, why is it that who you are is somebody with who does a lot of travel, who's got high expectations of themselves, who is not afraid to take risks, who loves newness um, and has the capacity to get lost in the day-to-day? Short answer, because I know there's an opportunity to do so and having not done so, I would not be as happy as when I would be doing so. That is is definitely uh, the key thing there. Because it's, life is too short. Uh, so sometimes, of course, we're going to have these cliche sentences in here, but it's just too short, right? And also the past couple of months, reflecting and talking to people and realizing, wow, this is going fast. Uh, why, why not do it? And uh, you, you notice that you become a happier person just by doing it and having the experiences. I also know friends that are still at home with their parents, which is totally fine. It's totally fine. Uh, but I also know that they're probably missing out on a couple of things that are not as easy uh, to do uh, in 10 years versus in the next five years, uh, probably. So that, that is probably the, the, the most uh, clear reason for me. FOMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big word, fear of missing out. Uh, that seems to be. So what I'm seeing here. What I see is somebody who's aware that they have all of the options and is worried that they're not taking the right one. So they try and take as many as possible. Um, Making quick, risky-ish decisions in in order to make a decision. In that the biggest fear is standing still and growing mass. Um, someone with high expectations of themselves, someone, you mentioned cars, fast cars. Yeah. Very yeah, fast. fast cars. There we go. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, no, it's not a Ford Focus. Like, um, but yeah, someone who is aware of all of the opportunities in the world and genuinely wants to experience as much of it as possible that i think was the why i think there's a new element creeping in and it's that element of sustainability i think a a sustainable life is something that you're starting to build and your new why is coming in is the right opportunities for the long term rather than the best opportunity I, I love how you put that. Uh, so I, I think, first of all, I think if, if your career in sales development or sales in general wouldn't work out, I think you would be doing great also just analyzing people and, and uh, doing this for a living, <laughs> to be you. honest. Uh, because 
uh, yeah, it's it's true. It's true. I, I'm somebody that hates the thought of, you know, missing something uh, when I know that, you know, I probably would be happy in, in that moment. Uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, I think you put it perfectly, it's not sustainable. Uh, and uh, I'm not only talking about sustainable in the, in the capacity of a human being when they're older. Uh, I'm also talking about the fact that uh, there, there's this one sentence. I don't remember who said it first, so I'm not going to try. But it's, uh, you know, pleasure doesn't equal happiness. And I, I love that quote because uh, it, it pretty much puts it right. It doesn't matter if it's about relationships. It doesn't matter if it's about the job, if it's about the money, etc. You know, long-term happiness is uh, definitely choosing the right things over a longer term. Uh, uh, and therefore, somehow eliminating a few of the short-term options, of course. Did you? I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm there yet because I definitely still love this you know, fast-paced world. But I do realize that that is a thing, you know, coming up in, in, in the upcoming years. Did you know that's biological? That dopamine and serotonin are the opposite of one another? And serotonin is the long-term happiness and dopamine is the short-term hit. And the more dopamine you have in your system, the less serotonin your body is allowed to produce. I, I actually didn't know it in, in that much detail. That That's, is very interesting to know, but that explains a lot. People in Vegas, for example, will have high amounts of dopamine, yeah. but will be absolutely yeah. depressed because their body cannot produce serotonin. Um, yeah. There's a little piece of info for you. Um, yeah. Learn something you know, new every day. I love it. I, I very much appreciate what well, we've had. A, we've had a good conversation. I got a page full of notes here, but um, I'm delighted we had this conversation. I'm really glad that I, that I, that I got you on. Um, what would you like people to know? Um, so where would, would you like people to come and find you or what would you like yeah. people to do now? So I would like to shout out one thing. Um, so on, on the side, I'm also doing, you know, a bit of work for, for revenue collective. So this is, you know, this, this community, uh, initially for sales professionals, but not right now we're already in operations, in marketing, uh, finance. And one thing we kicked off quite recently is our mentoring program. And what it does is actually people from all backgrounds. So it doesn't matter if they're just starting out as an SDR or are becoming the next CFO at a, a listed company. Uh, you know, everyone is at the same time a mentor and a mentee at one point. And this is what we really want to accelerate because I've done it now two, three times uh, on both ends. And I love that. So if there's somebody that just wants to talk, just like this, basically, but then with me, if they think I can help them out, uh, please do reach out because I'm very open to this. I'm going to be very busy uh, again, uh, as we put it. Uh, but uh, this is definitely also something that is close to my heart because I know what it did for me. And uh, that's what I want uh, people to know. You can reach me. Uh, on linkedin on linkedin perfect um yeah. you're not joe on linkedin so look at the title of the podcast yes. uh, and to get the correct spelling um exactly no, uh so look at so if you would you like people to come and connect with you on linkedin um and to to chat with you about well mentorship and menteeship there we go there perfect. we go it's uh it's something great to do and uh yeah also thank you to you uh, Brian, this this has been a great talk, and uh, the the first moment you reached out to me about the show you were planning to do, uh, I was very excited. Can't wait to see who 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 else is on the show, 
uh, and uh, you know just seeing the whole story on your end you know how we met each other and how we're talking now uh, that's a great story and on its own I think absolutely maybe we'll tell it on on, on your podcast one day uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well look thank you very much for for joining and uh, yeah I'll chat with you again soon and there we have it the life of Joachim Joe Van Erps today's episode was really interesting particularly for myself because I too burned out at a younger age um, I used to live life at, at breakneck speed I waved at my limit as I streamed past it and today it's very interesting to see it from the opposite side um, Joe is one of those people who has lived life in multiple different countries with a very stable sense as to who he is and that has been his rock as he's as he's gone through um, as he's gone through life but my main feeling out of today's um, episode out of today's conversation has sort of been one of of loss it seems like Joe feels like he has lost some of the last elements of his of his life he's the, the standout quote is, you miss things when you're in a bubble. You don't notice things. And he felt as though he had lost time with family, lost time with friends, um, relationships, all in pursuit of a career. And whilst he definitely has a very successful career, I feel as though we typically promote career growth because it's very easy to measure a career growth. It's not easy to measure a, a growth in a relationship or growth in in your family or growth in a friendship. Um, and therefore, what's, what gets measured gets done. Um, that is the key learning that I've taken away from today. Pleasure does not equal happiness is the second one that I've taken away from today. Um, and that in pushing for short-term happiness, we're actually neglecting long-term happiness. This is very interesting to have with somebody who's, he's only 25, 26. So this is a revelation that he's having very early in his life. It'll be interesting to see if and how things change as uh, as, as Joe grows. Um, as, you'll, as you'll know, maybe maybe the, the, uh, the authentic, chilled out nature of his of his Dutch heritage will, 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 will come out. Um, or maybe I'm just being stereotypical, who knows. Um, thank you for, for joining us on today. I'd love to know more as to what you thought of, of today's episode. Did, did you see yourself in Joe, in living life at, at breakneck speed and what impact that can have? Um, even today, I found that Joe speaks slower than he did when we first met all those years ago. Um, please do let me know what you think. You can find me on any social media. Next week, we interview the first episode of a three-episode-long series introducing Gabrielle Blackwell. I will tell you more about her next week. Between now and then, please do let me know what you thought of today's episode, and I will chat with you again soon.